This is most certainly true. The Lamb of God who was long foretold has come to be our sacrifice. Jesus offered himself and graciously shed his blood in our place so that we could be forgiven. And now we have the assurance of life and glory with him forever in heaven. Join us to look to the Lamb through this sermon recently delivered at Grace. first reading from the first book of Samuel, chapter 17, David battles Goliath. This is the basis for the sermon today. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span over nine feet. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 105,000 pounds. That's 125 pounds. On his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels, 15 pounds. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not? The servants of Saul choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man, and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord, who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. David said to the Philistine, 
You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. Do you remember that recent ice storm that we had maybe about 10 days or so ago? It brought some of the greatest news that students and teachers could hear. No school! It was an exciting day in the strong household that they didn't have to go to school. And in fact, my wife, who is a kindergarten teacher, really appreciated the unexpected day off too. And she used it to work on a picture scrapbook that she's been putting off for a while. And of course, when you're doing a project like that, you have to have something on in the background to to do as well. So she turned on a series, a TV series, on the History Channel called The Curse of Civil War Gold. The Curse of Civil Civil War Gold. Maybe you've seen this series. Uh, It's a series that follows a group of treasure hunters who are trying to track down this Civil War era gold that is supposedly been dumped into Lake Michigan. Now, before you rush out of here and go searching for this gold on the shores of Lake Michigan, first of all, know this, it's most likely dumped on the other side of the lake, on the Michigan side, and they still haven't found it. At least not yet. They haven't shown season three yet. But as, you, as I watched some of these, these episodes with my wife, it was intriguing. As they were diving into this mystery and digging into history, um, they ran into some conspiracy theories from what this gold might have actually been used for and perhaps whether John Wilkes Booth actually was the one who assassinated President Abraham Lincoln. Now, I didn't catch all of the, the show and all the premise of this, but it was some interesting speculation and an interesting hunt. Now, do I believe the conspiracies? Probably not. But isn't that how conspiracy theories work? You can find them all over the place, these, these theories that certain events and, and actions take place, but they're really being driven by some small group that has this ulterior motive or plot behind it. Now, you can find these theories all over. They're sometimes kind of hard to believe. Things like, who really assassinated JFK? Did astronauts really land on the moon and and so forth? Now, I'm not here to argue and discuss the validity of any of these claims. But instead, I'd really like to set before you my own conspiracy theory today. You ready for it? Who really killed the famous biblical giant Goliath? 
The story is one that is well known inside of religious circles and outside. A lot of people in the world know this story uh, about Goliath. So who killed him? Well, the obvious answer is David, right? But here's my question. Did David really kill Goliath? Well, maybe you're wondering, well, Pastor, why are you even speculating about this today? Well, the answer to that question really helps us understand how we fight the giants that we face in our lives. So let's explore this account of David and Goliath and and investigate it a little bit this morning. Let's start by looking at the facts. Israel is fighting against the Philistines, their enemies, a god, well, not a godless, a pagan nation. And the greatest, mightiest, fiercest warrior in the Philistine clan was a giant named Goliath. He's described as being nine feet tall, which if you can imagine from the floor right there up to about my height here, that's about nine feet tall. And he wore about 125 pounds of armor. And on top of that, he was armed with a javelin, a sword, and a spear with a head that weighed 15 pounds that he could throw with accuracy and strength. Beside him was a shield bearer, the best that the army had, who was there to protect him from any stray spears and arrows so that they wouldn't strike him. So talk about a mighty and intimidating warrior. It's no wonder that the armies of Israel cowered in fear and were filled with despair every time that Goliath stepped out onto that battlefield as he did for 40 days. Now compare that alpha male to David. David is described twice in this account as a boy. He's most likely between the ages of 16 and 20, so a young man. But he had no war experience. He wasn't even comfortable wearing the armor of King Saul. And he didn't have any training with a sword or with a spear. Instead, he had the basic weapons that he carried as a shepherd, a a shepherd's staff, a sling, and five stones that he happened to pick up on his way to the battlefield from the stream. David killed Goliath? Really? Let's take a look at the video replay. You have David approaching Goliath in the middle of this open field, this battlefield, that sat between the two opposing army camps. And as they came near to one another, they started exchanging some words. They threw some ridicule to one another, and then this happened. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. There you have it. The the warrior, the mighty warrior, defeated by the underdog, David, defeated Goliath, the giant. It's that easy and straightforward, right? Well, there's one more aspect about this account that we have to dive into and understand. Let's take a look at the interview that David gave, his own words about this battle. When King Saul questioned David's ability to actually fight against this giant, David recounted how he had killed both a lion and a bear with his bare hands when those ferocious animals had come to take away his sheep that he was watching. 
Now, let's be honest, David had no business fighting against this li- a lion and a bear and defeating them one-on-one. Because if you or I were confronted with a lion or a bear, I know I would, I'm pretty sure you would too, we would run away as fast and as quickly as we could. But David recognized that it was not because of his own superior abilities that he was able to kill those animals. He said this, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So who rescued David from the lion and the bear? It was the Lord God. David remembered that. He remembered that in this situation that that God had been faithful to him and had brought him deliverance from the lion and the bear and he knew that and he trusted it and he was now applying it to this situation here that he knew God would be with him in this fight against Goliath. David said as much as he confronted Goliath on the battlefield and said to him, You come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. The battle is the Lord's. So who killed Goliath? God did. Now I know that kind of seems like the easy cop-out answer because isn't God in control of everything? That's exactly the point. David knew that. David trusted that. And God used David. It was God who gave David that marksmanship to aim that stone right at the forehead of the the giant. And it was God who gave uh, David the opportunities to hone those skills as a shepherd. And it was God who gave David the courage to stand up against a giant that he had no business standing against. And it was God who brought forth the victory, not just for David that day, but for the people of Israel. King David recognized that important truth when he wrote a song of praise in Psalm 124. If the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive. Praise be to the Lord. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Who really killed Goliath? God defeated the giant. Who is going to slay the giants in your life? You face enormous problems and challenges, things that just seem gigantic in your life. You know, daunting things like sickness, financial disasters, relationship breakdowns, addictions, suffering, shame. And let's not overlook the real elephant, the the big giant in the room, the reality that your sinful disobedience to God in your life is deserving of God's eternal wrath, his anger. And we stand before that. Who's going to, to slay that giant for you? 
the conspiracy theory that Satan would like for you to believe is that this battle is all yours and yours alone, that you are the one who has to figure out how to overcome all the challenges in your life and you are the one who has to overcome all the sin that keeps you away from God. Why does Satan want you to believe that? Well, you see, Satan stands before you like this giant Goliath, defying God and wanting you to fall, to just destroy you. And he throws these temptations, these attacks against you because he wants you to fail in your strive against sin and temptation. He wants you to be misled. He wants you to give up in your relationship with God. He wants you to believe a lie. Satan wants nothing more than for you to fall. And the reality is, is that no matter how spiritually strong or weak you are, we all fall into those temptations and we all fall, up, fall down underneath the attacks. Are you trying to live life your own way? Are you trying to fight the battles on your own? No matter how hard you are trying, you're not going to accomplish it. But here's the important truth. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Let me take you to the account that we heard from the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, the account of Jesus defending himself against the battle and the attacks of Satan's temptations. For 40 days, Satan was tempting Jesus in the Israel wilderness, culminating in the three temptations that we heard in that, that Gospel reading. And don't think that that was the end of the temptation that Satan threw at Jesus. It was just those three and that was it. We heard in the reading from the book of Hebrews that Jesus suffered every single kind of temptation that is familiar to you and me. He, he suffered it all. You see, Satan wanted nothing more than to throw all these attacks at Jesus, champion against champion, and have Jesus fall. To have Jesus fail in his mission to be the savior of the entire world. But what do we see in this gospel account? Jesus didn't fail. Jesus did not sin, not even once. He did not throughout his whole life slip and give in to a single temptation, a single attack from Satan. And Jesus took that life and he took it then and took that battle to the cross where he crushed Satan as he offered up his perfect life as a sacrifice to pay for all of the imperfect people like you and me for all of our sins. He won forgiveness as he defeated Satan and crushed him underneath his foot. You see, the reason I take you to that account is because when you are faced with temptations from Satan, this Jesus is the one who fights for you. The very one who overcame all the temptations of Satan, who went to the cross to overcome your sin and conquer death, is the one who is fighting for you. And he doesn't just say, here, follow my example. You could do it. He doesn't just say, here, here's God's word, just throw a little bit of that at Satan. Because as powerful and effective as God's word is, it is only powerful and effective because of the one who fulfilled it. Stand in faith with Jesus. The one who has overcome sin, who has fulfilled God's word, who fights the battles for you. And we find victory against the giants of our life in Christ. And one of the reasons that people love this story about David and Goliath is because we love an underdog story, right? I mean, we love to see the, the weaker one, the, the little guy win. 
That's why we love the the 15 seed upset over the two seed in a tournament or why we love to see the mom and pop shop do better than the big box brand uh, stores. But is that really the point of this account? Is or who is the underdog in this fight between David and Goliath? I think we need to flip the script and realize that it's actually Goliath who is the underdog as he is going up against the Lord God Almighty who is on David's side and Goliath stood no chance. The victory in the battle was the Lord's. And he gave that victory to both David and the people of Israel. And the same is true for your life. You are not an underdog. But you are a victor because through faith in Christ, the Lord God is on your side. And so when you face the giant temptations that are standing before you, do not try to fight them all on your own, but fight them with the one who has fought them for you, your Savior Jesus Christ. When you have giant problems and struggles in your life that seem overwhelming, that leave you weak, need, and dismayed, turn to the one who promises to be right there with you, your Lord and to fight those battles for you in this life and for the life to come. Because you have a perfect Savior who has crushed Satan and has won forgiveness and eternal life for you, you can, as it says in Hebrews chapter 4, approach God's throne of grace. You can come to the very throne of God with confidence so that you may receive mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need. There are going to be trials and troubles in this life and you are sometimes going to stumble, you are sometimes going to fail, and it's sometimes going to hurt. But when you fight these battles, remember that you fight them not by yourself, but fight them with your Lord Jesus by your side. And know that he has overcome every temptation, he's overcome all of your sin to give you the victory of life. And this is not some kind of conspiracy theory, but just real eternal truth. Jesus crushes the giants in your life. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace, to support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, and to find our schedule of special worship services, please visit www.gracedowntown.org today. And we'd love to have you join us for worship sometime soon. This grace is for you.
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.